Amen. Let's take our Bibles this morning, if you would please, and turn to the book of Acts, chapter number 17. Acts chapter 17. I'm going to let you remain seated this morning uh, as we get into the message, but uh, <clears throat> over the last couple of weeks, uh, we've considered the subject of our response to the Word of God. When we hear the preaching of God's Word and uh, when we're reading the Bible, when the Lord reveals His truth to us, how do we respond? And a couple of weeks ago, we looked at that passage in Isaiah 6, where Isaiah, when he saw the Lord, uh, he uh, humbled himself and admitted before God who he was, and yet he fully surrendered and said, Lord, uh, here am I, send me. And that was the response, really, that God desires of us, that when we're confronted with His person, with his presence, with his word, that we would humble ourselves before him and acknowledge to him uh, where we stand before him and, and that we would be surrendered and willing to obey. And yet the, the nation of Israel would have a much different response to the preaching of God's word than that. Uh, the Lord told him that the very truth that had humbled him and, and brought him into that place of surrender before the Lord would be the same message, the same truth that would harden the hearts of the people of Israel. That they, that, that they by hearing would actually become deaf, by seeing that they would become blinded. And, and we, heard, we, we considered that concept of responding to the Lord with a hard heart and an unwillingness to submit to his will for our lives. And then last week we considered kind of another aspect of that, not necessarily a hard-hearted response to the Word of God, but sadly the fact that many times people, when they hear the Word of God, respond in unbelief. There are those who are scorners, there are those who uh, are out to uh, reject and deny the Word of God, but sadly many people that are even, would claim to be Christians, maybe many who are genuinely saved. Uh, sometimes when we uh, hear the Word of God, we respond in unbelief. We do not uh, receive it and apply it in our lives because there's something in us that tells us that it can't, we can't trust in that. We can't trust the Lord. And so we, we go in our own direction. We go in our own way by responding with unbelief. And so we've looked at kind of the negative side of how not to respond to the Word of God. But today I want to look at the other side of that coin from Scripture and how we ought to respond to God's Word, a, a right response to God's Word. We're going to look at a passage of Scripture that is familiar probably to many of us here. This is the Apostle Paul as he's been uh, uh, traveling and preaching. He's uh, just kind of gotten kicked out of the city of Thessalonica, not, not before uh, the Lord did a great work through him. Three weeks he spent in Thessalonica and basically left a church behind. That's a pretty incredible thing uh, when you think about it. But because of some persecution that had arisen, uh, he had to leave there. And so he comes into uh, a, an area or a town known as Berea. And uh, we, you might be familiar with that name. There are even churches out there today that will use the name Berean uh, to, to refer to uh, the way that they respond to the Word of God. They want to identify with people like the people at Berea in the way that they responded to God's Word. So let's pick it up here in Acts 17 and verse 10 where it says here, And the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night unto Berea. 
who coming thither went into the synagogue of the Jews. And verse 11 is the famous verse. These, speaking of the Jews in Berea, these were more noble than those in Thessalonica, where he had just come from, in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. Therefore many of them believed, also of honorable women which were Greeks and of men, not a few. A right response to the word of God. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, we want to thank you for even this passage of scripture, these three short verses which uh, testify of, of some people who were seeking you and seeking truth. And I pray that as you look down upon us today that we would be a people like those in Berea who were seeking to know you, who were ready to receive the word of God. And may we be found as those today. May we uh, receive your word in a way that would be pleasing to you. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to take note of the, the, the word that is used to describe these Berean Jews. The word is noble. It says these were more noble than those in Thessalonica. Now Thessalonica was the town, again, remember, that Paul had just come from. He'd been preaching the word of God, and people had been saved. There was a responsiveness. As I mentioned, in only three short weeks, three Sabbath days, he was there reasoning with them out of the scriptures. And there was kind of the, uh, the beginnings of a, uh, of a scriptural church that were left behind. And so there was a response to the word of God. But something about this, as he left the city of Thessalonica and entered into Berea and began to, or continued his ministry there, began to preach to those people, it, it was noteworthy that there was something different about these people. They were more noble in the way in which they responded to the preaching of the word of God. Now it's important, and I, I believe it's very important for all of us to put ourselves in a place in life where we can be under the faithful preaching of the Word of God. I believe that, that any and every church ought to emphasize the preaching and teaching of the Word of God really above all else that we do in a service. I believe that in the value and importance of, of music and godly music that edifies, I, I believe in the importance of service, I believe in the importance of giving, but what we do here in this place, of the things that we do here, the fellowship is important and necessary, but no one thing that we do in this place is as important or more important than the preaching of the word of God. This book is our light, it is our guide, it is our foundation, and therefore we are commanded to preach the word. My job as a preacher is to preach the word. My job isn't to give you a message that you need to hear. My job isn't to just encourage you and try to help you and use some Bible verses along the way to support or back up what I'm saying. My job is to preach the word, to proclaim, thus saith the Lord, because God places a high value on his word. In fact, the Bible says that he's exalted his word above all his name. 
And so this, it is important to be under the preaching of the Word of God. It's important to be reading the Bible. It's important to be absorbing it and taking it in in your life. But I want to say to you today that while the preaching of the Word of God is important and necessary and commanded by God, it is of little value if we do not respond to the Word of God in the way that He would have us to respond. And I would like for the Lord to be able to say of me that I was noble in the way that I received his word. That, that when, when I was confronted, when I am uh, uh, approached with the word of God, be it through preaching or personal Bible study or whatever the case is, that when God's word speaks to me, that my response would be pleasing to the Lord. You see, it's not only hearing God's word that's important, but responding in the right way, in the right manner. And so as we consider this noble response, I want to just point out some things that are stated about these Bereans that I think will help us as we consider how can I rightly respond to the word of God? If I want to be noble like this, how can I rightly respond? I want you to notice it says in verse 11, these were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness of mind. Readiness implies preparation. It implies a preparedness. It means that these people, when they, when they received the word of God, uh, they didn't just kind of uh, haphazardly stumble upon it and, and, and sit aside and say, well, okay, I guess I'll, I'll hear what this guy has to say. No, their, their mind was engaged. It was ready. It was prepared. It was intentional. They came to hear. You know, sometimes I, I, I think that we want to be fed. We want to be taught. But how, how ready do we come to hear and to receive? Uh, one of the things, uh, Brother Carpenter back there was a, a teacher at Baptist Bible Translators Institute. And it's a school that's kind of designed for helping missionaries prepare to go to the field, especially on the side of linguistics and, and, and learning the language of those people and how to communicate with them. One of the things that they highlight and advocate there at BBTI is that when you go to a, a foreign country to learn a new language and, uh, and a new culture and learn how to uh, deal with these people, that you would not go as a student. Don't go as a student. Why? Because a student is someone who uh, basically puts himself in a position where he is to be taught by someone else. But they say, rather, what you ought to do, rather than going as a student, you need to go as a learner. You say, well, what's the difference between a student and a learner? A learner sets out diligently with the purpose in mind, I am going to learn this thing. I'm not going to sit back and wait for someone to tell me or teach me what I ought to know, I am actually going to set out with intentionality and purpose to find out what I need to know so that I can best be used in that place. And it, it really has to do with taking ownership of, uh, of your need to learn. And folks, I just want to say to you that I, I uh, as a pastor, as a preacher, and really just as a Christian who's been in church for a long time, I've been around so many Christians, and at times I've been one myself, that would fall into the category of a student. 
I'm willing to come and sit and be taught. I'm willing to come and have you feed me. But they themselves are not necessarily actively involved and engaged in learning and growing. The very first thing that is stated about these Bereans is that they received the word with all readiness of mind. They, they came hungry. They came searching. They came looking for something that God would have for them. Friend, I just want to say to you, when you come to the Lord, when you come to the word of God, and certainly when you come into the house of God, please do not come in as a spectator. And don't come in as someone who just says, okay, I'm going to sit and see what, may, what has God shown the preacher this week? Uh, what is it that I'm supposed to learn? No, come, come with a readiness. Come with a desire and a passion and a preparation. <clears throat> I want you to hold your place here in Acts 17, but go back with me, if you would, to the book of Ezra in the Old Testament. The book of Ezra... <clears throat> In chapter number 7, we're introduced to the man Ezra here as a ready scribe in uh, the law of the Lord. <clears throat> he, he was one who was uh, skillful in the word of God. He was a, a, a teacher, well prepared. <clears throat> but I want you to notice... Verse number 9 says, For upon the first... Uh, for upon the first day of the first month began he to go up from Babylon. And on the, uh, on the first day of the fifth month came he to Jerusalem. Listen to these words. According to the good hand of his God upon him. And that's a phrase that appears kind of over and over in this book. That the good hand of the Lord was upon him. But notice why it says that. For, verse 10, Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord, and to do it, and to teach in Israel statutes and commandments. So the reason that the Bible says that the hand of the Lord was upon him was that he had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord, and to do it. In other words, Ezra approached the word of God with this, with this intentionality in what he did, that he had set out with great purpose and intention and preparation that he was going to seek the law of the Lord. He was going to, to, to dig out some treasure and find what God had for him. And by the way, he had already prepared in his heart that he was going to do what God showed him to do. I believe that every Christian, every church member ought to approach church in that way. I'm going to come prepared. In other words, it's not just kind of a you know, a, a last thought, uh, I guess Sunday morning I get up and I feel like coming to church, so I'll, I'll come in. No, 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 uh, Saturday, you ought to take some time and set aside and, and, and turn off the TV for a little bit and spend some time in prayer and, and, and seeking the Lord. Lord, prepare my heart for what I am going to uh, uh, hear tomorrow and what I'm going to see. Lord, help me to, to seek you. Uh, Sunday morning when you get up, you should uh, have some special time in, in God's word and in prayer and, and maybe shutting off some of the noise of life and busyness of life so that your heart can be prepared and that your mind can be ready and engaged in what you're going to hear. The, the Bereans here, they received the word with all readiness of mind. There was a readiness 
there was a preparedness in their reception of the word of God. But then secondly, I want to say just that. I've used the word a few times. There was a readiness, but there was also a reception. Did you know it's possible for you to hear the word of God and not receive it? It's absolutely possible for you to hear something and not receive it. Uh, I've been told before that I have selective hearing. I won't tell you who told me that. But I said, what does that mean? And then they went on to explain it. I wasn't really paying attention. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. It's possible to hear something but not receive it. The Bible says in Acts 17 that they received the word with all readiness of mind. They received it. They didn't just listen. They didn't just hear it. The, the, the idea of receiving is to, to take it in, to make it part of you. To, to appropriate this in my life, to receive it. We're going to do a bit of turning this morning. Hold your place here, though, in Acts 17. Just put a marker there because we're going to keep going back there. But James chapter 1, James chapter 1 and verse number 21. And I want you to notice what the Bible says here, an admonition for us as believers today. It says in James 1 and verse 21, Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. Receive with meekness the word of God. When you hear God's word, do you receive it? Does it become part of you? I think all of us probably at some point or another, maybe, maybe more often than not, are guilty of reading the Bible, going on about our day and kind of forgetting what we read. And I've had times and sometimes I've been been kind of caught flat-footed by one of my kids who will say, Dad, uh, what did you read in your Bible this morning? And then in my mind, i got to go back, oh, man, what was that? <laughs> and that's a terrible thing just to, to admit that, but it's, it's true. Sometimes we just kind of read it, and we're like Teflon. It just kind of rolls off, you know? That's not how it's supposed to be. We're supposed to receive it. We're supposed to take it in. Receive the Word of God with meekness. We're going to go back to Acts 17, but once again, put a marker in James 1, because we're going to be back here as well and kind of compare these two chapters a little bit. There was a readiness, and there was a reception, and then this is probably what the Bereans are most known for. There was a review of what they had been told. Acts 17, verse 11, these were more noble than those in Thessalonica. In that, they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. Here you had people that were so hungry for God's truth that they came, they, they, they didn't come as skeptics, they didn't come as, as scorners, they came with as seekers, those who were ready to receive the word of God. And, and they did. They received it. Their mind was prepared. Their heart was ready. 
They listened intently. They took it in and made it part of them. But they didn't stop there. Because they weren't willing to place their faith in the word of man. Their faith and their confidence was in God and his word. And that meant that they were going to take what they received and go back to the scriptures and compare it with the scriptures and make sure that what, what Paul had taught them was true according to the word of God. I cannot say this, I cannot stress this enough. I will always do my best by God's grace to never lead you astray, to never preach something false to you. If, if something comes to my attention that I have misspoken, I'll do my best to try and correct that. But I want you to know something. I am not infallible. Do not take my word for it. Search the scriptures. You, you can trust this book. You can trust God and what he said. And so when you hear something, don't just think, well, you know, so-and-so, I heard a pastor say, I heard a preacher say, and he's a good man, so I, I know I can trust what he said. No, 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 no. Listen, your faith is not to stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Don't, don't place your faith in what a man says. Paul himself said, if I or an angel from heaven preach unto you any other gospel than you have received, don't, don't receive it, reject it. Don't listen to it, even if, it's a, even if it's me. Even if I tell you something different down the road. Don't listen to me, because you need the truth. Don't place your faith and confidence in a man. Examine what you hear in light of the Word of God. This is why it's important and for, for you to be faithfully studying God's Word for yourself. You need to be in it every day. I think the morning is the best time to do that. If you can swing that. I know some of you get up and you're at work at like 4 o'clock in the morning. And I personally believe anything before 5 isn't morning. It's like middle of the night still. And so, you know, I don't expect you, if you have to leave for work at 3 o'clock, I don't expect you to be up at 1.30 so that you can have, you know, an hour and a half with the Lord before getting to work. Maybe that's not what works best for you. For me, it's usually best if I can get my time with the Lord in the morning. But at some point during the day, you need to get alone with God and have a meaningful time of prayer and a meaningful time in His Word. Read it. Study it. Examine it. Learn from it. And compare anything that you have heard from anyone else against it. Make sure that what you're being taught is true according to the scriptures. You're going to answer to God for the things that are written in this book. So you better know it. I've used the example before, the illustration. Um, I, when I file my taxes... I'll be honest, I have some fear of the IRS. I don't want to be audited. And it's not because I'm trying to cheat the government. It's not because I'm trying to get away with anything. It's just because I know that I'm, it's possible I could have made a mistake somewhere or something. I just don't want that whole mess, you know. So I try to dot every I and cross every T just the way that it should be. 
and I usually e-file, we do it online through TurboTax or whatever, and so when I go to do it, I go through the whole process, and right at the end, before I click submit, I say a prayer. You know what I mean? Lord, just please make sure everything is right. As if I mess something up, you can correct it, you know. Don't let them see it, whatever. Help me not to get audited, you know. And then send. Well, if two months later I were to receive a letter from the IRS, you can be sure of one thing. I would open that letter and read it carefully. You understand what I'm saying? I would want to know everything that that letter had to say about me and what I was facing. Listen, folks, that's a silly example. Jesus said, the words that I have spoken, the same shall judge. You're going to be judged by God according to this book. And sadly, there are many Christians who've never even read it for themselves. If there is part of the Bible that you haven't read, then to some degree you're just trusting in what someone else has told you. Now that's not always wrong. I'm not saying it's wrong. Again, I'm not just, I'm not out to deceive you. Uh, my children listen to what I teach them, and it ought to be that way. They shouldn't come skeptical of what I have to say. I don't think it would be a healthy relationship between a church and their pastor to, to doubt what he says. You know, that's not a healthy relationship. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is, I'm not going to stand in judgment for you. You are. So you better know what this book says. Don't just take my word for it. Read it. Study it. They, they compared Paul's teaching with the scriptures. They reviewed it. There was a readiness. There was reception. There was review. Let me say this also, though. There was rumination. They didn't just receive what he said and then take out a copy of a scroll and say, yep, I guess that's what the Bible says, and then roll it back up and forget all about it. No, look what it says in verse number 11 here of Acts 17. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures, what's the next word? Daily, daily, whether those things were so. Uh, this wasn't just a one-time thing. It wasn't a one-time consideration. Okay, I've checked that box. I know that uh, my statement of faith aligns with what the Bible says, and, and so I'm good. No, there was a constant, continual, daily examination of God's Word. They thought on these things. It was considered beyond just day one. I know that over the last couple of weeks we've talked about wrong responses to the Word of God and, and, uh, and, and we talked about the hard-heartedness and the, the lack of faith, the unbelieving response. But honestly, one of the big problems that we have is just a forgetful response. Our, our children 
often try, they're trying to do what's right, but sometimes there's an issue with them not remembering something that we've told them. I, I told you to do this, why is it not done? Oh, Dad, I, I forgot that you told me that. I, I, I got busy doing this and I just forgot. And by the way, they're not the only ones that are guilty of it. There have been things that I've told my wife. I'm going to take care of that. And then I got busy doing something else. I forgot about it. We, we're just that way. We're forgetful people. We don't have always the, the memory that we like to have. But here's the thing. Satan knows that we have a tendency to be forgetful and often will put things in our way to distract us so that once we have received the word of God and we know that there's a response that's required, but something else will come up to turn our mind away from that. You'll leave here today when we dismiss and you'll be having to deal with other things. Uh, some of you will... Uh, no doubt go home and get something to eat or maybe you'll go out and get something to eat or you'll turn on a ball game this afternoon or you'll take care of something around the house you'll get a phone call uh, you'll be dealing with different things and be easy for you to forget what you've heard here this morning just kind of not intentionally ignoring it just it just kind of goes away I, okay I know the Lord was speaking to me about this or that but then these things come up and I just kind of forget ruminate in the Word of God. This is one reason, and I've told you before, I'm not a good um, note taker. I can take really good notes, but I don't get much out of it usually when I'm taking notes. But some people really thrive on that, or they're at least able to do it better than I can. And if you are someone who can take notes, I'd encourage you, take notes when you're listening to preaching. But don't just, I mean, I know, I've known people who, they've got a notebook full of sermon notes, but they've never gone back and reviewed them. You know, it's just like there. You ought to take those things. When you hear preaching, when you hear teaching, like these Sunday school lessons, we've got these worksheets and, 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 and an outline that you can follow. That's not just for when you're in class. Take it home. Use it in your devotions. Use it in your family devotion time and, and maybe dig a little bit deeper. You know, we're going through large passages of Scripture that we, you know, we've got 35, 40 minutes to try and develop this, but we, don't, we can't examine every aspect of this. Take your time. Dig, it, dig in deeper. Search the Scriptures daily. Ruminate on these things. Continue in them. The Bible speaks much of, of, of meditating in the Word of God and continuing in the Word of God. I, I told you to hold your place in James 1. I hope you didn't forget. James 1, I didn't hold my place there. I told you to, not myself. All right, James 1, verse 22, it says, But be ye doers of the Word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, listen to these words, and continueth therein. He being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. In other words, the right response 
to the Word of God is to continue in the Word of God. To stay in it. To keep reminding yourself. To stay aware of what God is saying. As we make our way back toward Acts, stop on the way in uh, 1 Timothy chapter number 4, if you would. 1 Timothy 4, Paul is speaking to Timothy, giving him some instructions. And he says in verse number 14, uh, he encourages him to to stir up the gift that is in him. He says, uh, verse 14 of, of chapter 4, Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which is given thee by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them that thy profiting may appear to all. Take heed unto thyself and to the doctrine. Continue in them. For in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. What's he saying? The things that you've learned, continue in them. Continue to remind yourself. Continue to ruminate in these things. Consider them. Give yourself wholly to them. One of the things that's stated of the early church there in Jerusalem in Acts chapter 2 is that they continued daily in the apostles' doctrine. They they, they just continued in it. They were feeding themselves and teaching themselves the word of God. This is important. If you say, I want to be a noble like those Bereans, come with readiness of mind. Receive the word of God. Review what you have heard. Ruminate in it. Consider it. Meditate upon these things. And then lastly, let me say that there was a response to the Word of God. They actually took action and put to practice what they had heard. Verse number 12 of Acts 17. Therefore, many of them believed. Now we understand that the biblical concept of belief it's not it's more than just accepting some a fact as true it has to do with entrusting yourself to this truth believing on it it's actually an act of the will i'm choosing to believe i'm choosing to trust in this. I'm responding to this in faith. Last week we talked about the the faithless response to the word of God. Unbelief. And we said that the, the, the fruit of that or the proof that we're responding in unbelief is that there's inaction. Because true faith produces action. And so if we if we're talking about when it says that they believed, this doesn't just mean that they're like Oh, okay, we're convinced. This has the idea that this was a transforming belief. They they believed. And what does the Bible tell us about belief? That belief is, is, it's really synonymous with being born again, right? To believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. They believed. You know what happens when you believe? You know what happens when you get saved? Everything in your life changes. There's a transformation. When a person gets saved, everything changes. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Everything changed 
for these Berean Jews and Gentiles who believed. Did you know that the Word of God isn't really just about information? It's not just about filling your mind with knowledge and truth. It is about transformation. It's designed to change you and me. Our response, a proper response to the Word of God will result in change in our lives. That our lives would actually conform to what the Bible says. Sadly, many times we stop short of truly responding, truly believing, truly acting upon His Word. And so today I just want to challenge you as we consider this. Don't be like those that we've considered over the last couple of weeks. The, the, the hard-hearted. Those who just ignore the truth. Don't be like we so often can be unbelieving in your response. But rather be like these Bereans who will receive the word with all readiness of mind. Come to God's house with a preparation of heart. Seeking truth. Receive the word of God. Allow it to become part of you. Don't just take my word for it or another preacher or Sunday school teacher. Review it. Examine it in light of the Word of God. Make sure that it is consistent with the whole of Scripture. Ruminate in it. Meditate upon it throughout the week. Make it part of your life. Make it part of your conversation. Make it part of your thoughts. But most importantly, do it. Don't be a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the Word of God. Let the Word of God change you. And can I ask you, friend, when was the last time that the Word of God changed you? There was a conformity in your life. Something the Lord showed you or revealed to you and it actually changed your actions. It changed the way that you responded to something. Folks, that's what we ought to do. These Bereans were noble because of how they received the word of God. Can I ask you this morning, how are you receiving his word?